and lace him up. Because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEEI.com's DJ Bean. All right, back here on Sunday Skate, final hour of the season. DJ Bean, Pete Blackburn, Matt Lober behind the glass and taking your calls at 617-779-7937. What are are these idiots saying on the text thing? Uh, Tuca can't beat the Canadians or win the big game. He can't carry a team like Tim Thomas could. I'm so sick of hearing how good he is. I think that's just a a scheduled scheduled text that comes in around this time every year. uh, Yeah. Can't win can't a big the game. Canadians. You know who the Canadians can't beat? Anybody. Right. <laughs> uh, quick. Oh, man. I, I hate that the, the this goalie can't win a big game, so he's not good argument. That's so silly. Like, do, is, is there any Rangers fan? If there are any Rangers fans listening, please uh, call in, text in, whatever, and let us know, do you think that Henrik Lundqvist is bad because he hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet? Are there any Canadians fans out there who think that Carey Price is bad because he hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet? You know who's a better uh, postseason goaltender than Carey Price? Tuka Rask. And I know that statistically there's an argument there, but I would much, much rather have Carey Price than, than Tuka Rask. I don't care that he hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet or, or gone to the Stanley Cup final. I think that if you're a good goaltender, then that's that's quite all right by me i uh i had mentioned to the this to you during the break a couple breaks ago uh the minnesota wild are pretty much the take, exact yeah. opposite of the bruins right now they are very bad offensively mm-hmm. very strong defensively sir and have a below average goalie right so if you're looking for a trade partner and by the way they're in the playoffs in yeah. a much stronger conference so that tells you how important the blue line right, is right i was going to say it underscores that if there's if you can only have one strength make it either the the blue line or goaltending yes so if you're looking for a trade partner that's the team that i'm looking at because they need offense and you have offense and they have a surplus of defensemen and they are very tight up against the cap mm. and they have uh, Matt Dumba, who they I think he's a restricted free yeah, agent. They're gonna retri- they're gonna try their damn hardest to re-sign him because they love him there. Yeah. Uh, and then they also have so if they want if they want to keep Dumba, uh, that's fine. I think that you know it might not be a bad idea if the Bruins want to offer sheet him or something like that. Like I don't think he's the fix, but I think Jonas Brodin is the guy that they should go for. And, and he's signed for what four point one or something. Um, he's making two and a half this year, and then four, four and a half, five seven five, four seven five. So all like really manageable numbers. Yeah. He's so a that that shut probably down D. so that probably equals out to what? What's the the average annual value there? So probably uh, somewhere one, in like yeah. the mid four or something. One. You're right. So so that's. If Super you, manageable. He's 22 years old. Right. Shut down D. Not very good offensively, but he they don't need offensive defensemen. Right. And he's a young defenseman who's established. Established, and, yeah. And that, for me, I'd be hesitant of taking a bunch of prospects and unproven guys into the season again. I like the idea of trying to get younger on D, but I think right now, if you're the Bruins, you've got so many assets. Um, turn them in. Cash them in. Try to turn... All these things you've compiled 
into a good, young, established defenseman. Now, you look at their three first-round picks last year, I don't know that you can call up a team and say, hey, we'll give you we'll give you uh, Jake DeBrusque for your your young top four defenseman because I don't think they've re- they really hit on any of these these picks to this point. Seneshin is kind of hit or miss to this point. Zaboral didn't have a great season. Um, DeBrusque uh, had an injury at some point, so it's not like they knocked it out of the park with these picks. The caller before mentioned Kyle Connor. We've probably mentioned at least once a week on this show that they probably should have not passed on that guy three times in a row, but live and learn. Uh, all right, let's get back to the calls. We're taking your calls, 617-779-7937. It's your last chance to talk to us for the, the season, so give us a ring on how you'd fix the Bruins. Uh, let's talk to Jimmy and Chelsea. Jimmy, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, great job this year. And uh, listen, um, I am not alone, apparently, with my disdain for Don Sweeney. I didn't like it when he was uh, appointed, and all year long he just did nothing to confirm my uh, uh, my disgust with him. But anyways, uh, questions, though, um, about his press conference, which I thought, again, was disappointing. Um, when, how, take me through the journey from the first press conference where he said Claude Dewing was his coach today. All year long, um, at best, he's lukewarm, uh, making Julian seem like a uh, walking, uh, uh, dead man walking, lame duck coach, uh, allowing the speculation of his imminent demise and uh, departure out of here. And then all of a sudden, the other day, made it sound like he was the uh, Hall of Fame coach of all time. Absolutely. Claude's the guy we need in this and that. How do you go from there to here in regards to his opinion, uh, especially based on the, the season? where we basically had the same season as we did last year. Uh, I don't care either way about Julian. Uh, I like him. I don't know if I like him here. but So I didn't want him out. I'm not asking him to stay. But John Sweeney's inconsistency is, is rather uh, odd. Yeah, and I th- thanks for the, the call, Jimmy. I'm, I'm glad that, that you brought that up. Uh, for me, I think it's simple. They don't love Claude. They felt forced to keep him, or they just realized at the end of the day, their best plays to keep him. That doesn't mean that they think that he's going to be their coach forever. And I wrote the day that they retained him. I still wouldn't rule out them promoting Bruce Cassidy from Providence to being an assistant. They're getting rid of at least one assistant in Doug Huda. Um, and who knows what happens with, uh, with Joe Sacco and jo- Doug Jarvis. It would not surprise me at all if those jobs are filled by guys like Bruce Cassidy, potentially Nate Lehman. Um, I don't know if Nate Lehman would make the jump to the NHL as an assistant if he would rather wait for a head coaching gig because obviously you saw what happened with Dave Haxtall. Maybe that makes good college coaches uh, more attractive to NHL teams. So maybe coaches like Lehman can wait for head coaching jobs, but it would not surprise me at all if these assistant jobs are filled by potential replacements for Claude Julian. That's that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that the that if if they didn't if they weren't sold on, sold on Claude, he wouldn't be here right now. They had every opportunity to fire him last year, they had every opportunity to fire him this year. He wouldn't be here if they weren't sold on him. I think that he may be Sweeney's guy more than Neely's guy. Um but I don't I, think they're I don't think they're totally in love with him. I think that they know if they had let him go, then the Senators get a lot better, and there goes their chance of making the playoffs next season because you just made one of the teams with whom you're contending even better. 
So that's that's for me. That's 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 my little take on it. I I don't I, know. I know. I I think that they know that he's a good coach. I think that even Cam knows that he's a good coach, and Claude's never been Cam's guy. But I think this was more about asset management than anything else. I do. So that not knowing who to replace him with if they were to let him go. That yeah, they they could be a little shell shocked from the moves they've made thus far, which is not a good sign for this team heading into an off season when it needs to fix a lot of things. All right, let's see who's been waiting the longest. Uh, Tom in Manchester, what's up, Tom? Hey guys, how are you? Pretty good. Good morning. Listen, uh, you know I, I'm a Claude guy, uh, but I do think they sh- they should have made uh, a, a move. I mean, it's troubling when you can't. You need the win. You need the, the last win of the season is a must win, and you lose to the Senators at home. Uh, you know that's just to me a troubling sign, uh, and that's yeah. Uh, you you got to point to the coach at some point and say he didn't have his players prepared. Uh, you know the LA loss this year was embarrassing. Uh, the, the I know Anaheim's a better team. I know LA's a better team, but I mean the, to, to get beat on home ice the way they did at times this year. I've been watching them for, since the seventies. It, it, the season was frustrating. It felt like the late uh, late nineties pre Joe Thornton Bruins. Oh yeah, at times this year. Remember those days well. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I'm a quad guy. Always have been. I think he's a Hall of Fame coach. Eventually, he will go into the Hall of Fame. I I, I just think this. He lost the team, and I was shocked that they kept him. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, switching gears here. Uh, the prospects, uh, Brandon Carlo uh, coming up. I know he's playing with Providence towards the end of the year. Uh, he's, he's got size as a defenseman. Uh, I think it was a second-round pick this year. Yep, he was uh, one of their three seconds. Yep. Right. So, and I do think uh, – Don't forget the, Don't forget Jeremy Laws on as well. He's also yeah, – uh, yeah, so, somebody yeah. at some point this season, I forget who. I tweeted this yesterday. Laws on was in a uh, scary accident. That was. Did you see – if you guys saw it, that was gross. I didn't see yeah. it, but um, yeah. but I lo- I love Carlo by the way. Yeah, saw him play. He was the best uh, best USA defenseman for World Juniors this past year. So I haven't seen much of him, but he's based, he's supposedly just a better McQuaid or can be a better McQuaid. Right, he's got some grit. And this Jesse Gabriel uh, scored forty goals this year mm-hmm. in the WHL in seventy five games, uh, left winger. I don't so know, in I mean, that way, it, it helps them that they that they drafted every player in last year's draft. <laughs> right. Except the ones that were can't except, miss. Right, yeah, that's true. Except for Kyle Connor. They drafted everybody but him. Right. So, I mean, this is Sweeney. Was this Sweeney's first uh, it was. draft? Yeah. So, this, we'll see how it pans out because I, I do think Shirley, and I and I did like Shirley, but I th- thought his drafting was... Train wreck. Crazy. Horrible. Horrible. Major I mean, part of where, why they got into the mess they got into. Right. You, you look at the last eight years of his drafting, and you look at guys, and you can go down and say none of them... Very few of them are in the NHL right now, and that's, right? You know, so and I also think that it this goes back to you know, did they draft based on based on their like strengths or whatever? Like I just think that you you pick the best player. Oh, available, always, always, and, oh yes. And it, worse comes to worse, you trade that person absolutely to help you and get what you need later on. Like if they had Kyle Connor right now. If they if they wanted to trade him yeah. and get defense, they'd be in a better position to trade that guy and get somebody that they need rather than the guys that they have. That's that a very good point. Year. What a chip that would be right now. And I was just saying before, I don't think the Bruins are knocking anybody's socks off if they called them up, offering them Jake DeBrusque and Zach Senishin and and uh, Jakub Zaboral. So that's a good point. Um, what a what a chip that would be right now. Um, 
But yeah, thanks for the 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 call, Tom. We appreciate it. Keep up the good work, guys. All right, thanks. Uh, let's get to uh, Al in Natick. He's got a plan for rebuilding the Bruins. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I, I listening very carefully to what you said. I think you guys uh, uh, actually are one of the more intelligent talkers on the radio about this team. And oh, what a guy! No, really. I, I, I'll start with Rask. And I think something happened this year which is really interesting, which can give us insight. Montreal has the best goalie in the league, the best player in the league, arguably. But, but think about it. A great goalie goes down, and the team disintegrates. Yep. Tuka Rask is a top-10 goalie, maybe a top-5 goalie. He wasn't this year, but he is. That's what he is. He's won the Vezina. He's a very, very good goalie. You don't get rid of a goalie that can potentially keep you in the standings. And as bad as he was, arguably, when he was pretty good this year, he kept this team around. And I think next year, if he has a decent year, he gives this team a chance to make the playoffs by himself. So that solves that problem. The second problem you have, I think, and the biggest problem, the one that needs work, and I disagree with you guys strongly on this point, you're spending $8 million a year on your worst your worst number one player, which is your defenseman Chara. Look, he's he's six point nine, which is a pretty yeah, nice cap right, hit. Still, yeah, yeah, I understand. But but the point is, is that he was great. He's your team. He was your captain. He's brought so much to the team, but he's killing this team. I don't. I mean, and I saw his stats. They're not bad. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna follow my sword about his stats. But I do think that that if you guys are talking about a guy who's going to help rebuild the defense. Look, yes, it's great to have a grizzled veteran in there, and he is a he is a guy who plays with. Oh, arms. he's grizzled. Yeah, exactly. He's grizzled to the point that <laughs> he's grizzled I'm, and then some. I think I would disagree with you guys. I'd say, look, let's 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 try to rebuild this defense. Let's get two or three guys in here, and you know what? I, I understand. Listen, I'm the first guy to say, with what? What are you going to trade? How are you going to get them? You're right. There's one or two guys in Minnesota you have to target. I was hoping they'd get uh, who is it from Vancouver late last year? Is it Bieksa? Uh Alex Edler. Was oh, it? Right. No. no, no. I think it was either. I think it was Bieksa, to be honest. Well, Bieksa's in uh, Anaheim now. Uh, then it, it wasn't. It, it well, in any event, there, there was a defenseman in, in Vancouver. They, they, I really thought they were going to get him. He was available, and he, he, he was, he was. Oh no, I'm, I'm mixing it up. Edler was a few seasons ago uh, when they got uh, what's his face when they got the bozo from Philadelphia. Right. Uh, shoot. Are you talking about the guy who went to, uh, Montreal? No, 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 no. Who was, uh, man, one of their top super old defensemen for Vancouver who didn't want to leave. Dan Dan Ham Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was going to drive me crazy. Right. Me too. Uh, but anyway, Ham Hughes was an option, but, but there's, there are guys out there. And, and the last thing I wanted to talk about is, is Spooner and Krejci. I think, I think the playoffs and the good teams are demonstrating You've got to have strength down the middle. You can have small, fast guys, but you can't have – look, Spooner's small and fast, and he's really good. Yeah. He's a great assist guy, but I just don't think he's strong enough to play the middle. And and so they need somebody – Well, your argument held up the second half of the season because he he definitely fell off. Yeah, and, and, and not, not just from the standpoint of scoring. I mean, the team – look, the team has scored this year. You can't be disappointed with their scoring. And the only last thing I want to talk about is this so-called collapse. 
This so-called collapse is a misnomer. They went out west and played a number of really good games, and they lost by narrow margins to goalies that outplayed them. They really didn't play that badly. Yes, at the very, very end, they fell apart. But then they also scored 16 goals over a 10-game span. I agree that the idea of they fell off, they were in first place, and they choked it away. They were not in first place. They were techni- They had more points than teams that had right. played way less games than them. Yeah, and right. like the and you know he's talking about the West Coast road trip. You, you didn't get a single point there, but you also played three teams that were clearly better than you. I remember after the I actually got into it with uh, with Tory Krug's brother on Twitter. Who uh, give him a follow? I think it's it's just like Zach Krug or something. He's a, a he's funny, funny. Fo- yeah funny guy. Um, I tweeted after they lost to the Sharks uh, the first game. I was like, so the Bruins are probably going to get zero points out of this road trip. And he was like, oh, how can you say that after one game? And it's just because the next two teams they're playing should beat them. Like the Ducks against the Bruins in an isolated game in a vacuum should beat them. The Kings in a vacuum should beat the Bruins. Yeah, total mismatch uh, with with the way the Bruins are are, are constructed. But, I mean, that should be insightful to the team, shouldn't it? Shouldn't the team be looking to bring in just – you need one. Actually, I like I like the guy, the fourth line center, uh, Achari. Uh, yeah, uh, he brought some heart to the team. He actually solidified the fourth line. So I don't think he's anything more than what he is, though. Yeah, no, but I mean, I pe- well, people I people you. need the, Bruins fans, especially they need their their grit and someone who finishes their checks. God, I th- I think that Bruins fans like checking now more than they actually like scoring. But uh, Achari can be that for you, and as a fourth line center. Fine, and he's played with Vetrano a lot in Providence. He played with Vetrano towards the end of the season. I know, actually, when people were dumping on Claude and saying why they should have fired him, I, I heard one of the arguments was he played Vetrano on the fourth line late in the season. That was a really good fourth line late in the season. Vetrano, Achari, and Ferraro was dynamite. I would make that my fourth line next season. If you guys saw the beat the first few the first few games of the first few round of the playoffs. And seeing all the hitting, it was scary to think what was going to happen to the Bruins if they had made the playoffs. They would have been, they would have been, I think they would have been wiped out. And I mean, they have a great, they have a great nucleus. I mean, I think uh, some of these players, and that's what carried them. They had Raft, they had the Bergeron line, and and that, and you know, that essentially carried them for the season. And Raft didn't even play well. So I do think that they can be competitive next year. I don't think, I I think if you guys are thinking you'd like to see them blow it up, I don't think they need to do that, but I do think they need to rebuild the defense significantly. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, great call from from Al. We're continuing to take your call, 617-779-7937. On what you would do to fix the Bruins, whether or not you would trade Char- Chara, whether or not you trade Rask, Krejci, anybody, whether or not you're happy with Claude coming back, we're willing to, to hear it all. We haven't gotten to the Steven Stamkos take that we bring up uh, every week yet either, so we'll talk a little about that. Pete, I know you wanted to hit on Riley Smith, so we'll get to that next as well. And still taking your calls, Andy and Matt, we'll get to you guys next. It's Sunday Skate, the final episode of the season on WEI. I remember coming here nine years ago with this team being in the same situation. And I told people that I was wanted to be the guy that was going to help them uh, get to the top. And, you know, I don't see any reason why I can't do that again. And I'd love to have that opportunity, which I'm being given. So, you know, it's nice to always have these great years. 
but every once in a while you get you get those kind of challenges and those kind of challenges is what makes you a good coach and I, and I want to be a character person I want to be a character coach that wants to be here and even if we have to go through some bumpy roads uh, I'm more than willing to do that because I love this city I love our fans and, and I love the organization so uh, it was great to hear from from those people the support I got that's new Bruins coach Claude Julian recently introduced he's uh it's gonna be this is gonna be 10 seasons for Claude does that make you feel old nobody lasts 10 years here nobody crazy I was saying last night to some other sports writers I used to think uh I mean watching Boston sports teams growing up I remember I would say to my dad why would anybody want to be a coach because it seems like you just put in all this time to work your way up and then by the time you finally get there, you only get to do it for like a year or two, and then they fire you. <clears throat> but I think that it's, and again, I haven't accused Sweeney and Neely of doing too many smart things, but I think whether accidentally or otherwise, it was a savvy, smart, um, I don't want to say mature, but uh, very much uh, like in the now kind of, of move. I, I think it's dated to see a team do poorly and say, okay, the solution is to fire the coach. I think that coaching is at such a premium that if you have a good one, don't get rid of one. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater when the team has a bad season because of a bad roster. So I think they, they made the good move, uh, the right move there. You can call in 617-779-7937. The question I'm asking you guys is, do you think that by the start of next season – there is any way in which they can have a roster that you are supremely confident in and can contend for a Stanley Cup. I'm very I'm very skeptical of that, but if if you've got any sort of plan, we'd love to hear it. 617-779-7937. We'll continue to take your calls here on Sunday Skate. It's the final episode, so if you have anything left to say, we'd love to hear it. Uh, Matt in Belchertown, good morning. Hey, how's it going, guys? Great. Oh, good. Um, well, I wanted to talk about uh, the fact that I was I was one of the guys who was kind of ready to see Claude go with a, with a handshake. Thanks for the memories, but um, kind of changed my mind. But before I do that, DJ, in answer to your question about whether I'd be confident next year, um, I, I, I think there's definitely a way that, that the Bruins can make the changes that I would feel much more confident about because I, I do think that they're definitely you know two big pieces away on defense, and that's not going to be easy to just magically replace, but but I don't think that they're miles and miles away either. I really don't. I, don't want but to I think the like two that. big pieces on defense, I think that is miles and miles away. I mean, yeah. other than other than the 2014-15 um, Islanders, which they basically were gifted two defensemen because of salary cap situations in Chicago and Boston, you don't just have players like that fall into your lap. Well, but I don't think you need two one and two guys. I mean, John Michael Lyles, who's not like you know the second coming of uh, Bobby Orr, came right. In. He's just a functional defenseman. They just need <laughs> yeah. which shows how dire it was that <laughs> yeah. John, like a four hundred year old John Michael Lyles, was like, "Thank God." Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's, that's so I really I don't sound I'm I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic. But look, they need a top well, pairing guy. That's they need a top yeah. pairing guy, and then if they can get a functional to above average defenseman. Uh, in addition to that, I think they're in much, much better position. Would you guys right resign here. Lyles? I would. I, yeah, I think I would, actually. Yeah, yeah, I would. Why not? I mean, he, like you said, he, he's a middle-of-the-road guy, and you need one. So Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so what, what uh, you just said about the number one. So, uh, 
the reason that I'm, I'm decently okay with Claude coming back is that if Sweeney, was, if a brand new GM came in today and said, okay, it's time we actually are in rebuild mode, you know, when you tear it all down, you don't really tear a house completely down. You do keep the studs, right? Right. And we know Patrice is, is you know, he's untouchable, and, and I'm fine with that, and that's great. But, it's, but I'm putting him aside. The studs, as far as I'm concerned, Claude would be one, and Big Z right now still, Tuca, Krejci, Marchand. If you want to make pasta part of that, okay, fine. But all that means is that just for the moment, those guys are the team, are the people you build the team around. But I think all of them should be on the table if you can take one of those guys like a Krejci and pair him up with one of your mid-level guys and get a stud defenseman. You do it. And in the case of Claude, if you know uh, Cassidy or people come up and they're they're you know they seem, seem like they're doing what they're doing and Claude's still doing his old stuff with the benching the young guys. Then, then he goes. I mean, it just means that at the moment you're you're where we're starting from. In my mind, everybody else besides those guys, all of them should be called onto account. Either if they're not playing well, benched, sent to province, whatever. And that includes, by the way, Don and Cam. I think yeah. Don and Cam are in the everybody else pile, as far as I'm concerned. But Cam, if things aren't going better next year, give him another role in the organization, move him on. Donnie Sweeney. If anything, maybe he'd be a better president. I don't know. I mean, it can't be. Any He's more qual. Again, I I'm adamant. Don Sweeney is more qualified for a big, major, uh, key decision making job than than Cam Neely is. Thank you. And yeah. I don't think Don Sweeney's done a very good job thus far, but. I mean, he's he's qualified. He was an assistant GM for a long time, and uh, I feel that, I mean, Neely has this job because he was a great hockey player, and I just, and I don't want to hold that against uh, Neely, but I think that that's just silly logic to say that because you were, it's like, it's like saying Eric Clapton, you are great at playing guitar. You're one of the greatest guitarists ever. Uh, I need a guitar built. I'm going to Eric Clapton to make it. That doesn't make sense, you know? Right. Yep. No, I agree. But so, so yeah, so this summer, if things don't go well with the trades and, and the draft and all that, I, honestly, I think Donnie, you know, we find another spot for him and you bring in another GM and just start a real rebuild because I've seen nothing that leads me to think that he can do it. So, anyway, that, that was my take, guys. Awesome. Great call. Matt in Belchertown. Great call. We've had a lot of uh, solid calls thus far. Uh, let's get to Jay in Northampton. He wants to talk about no movement clauses. Hey, guys. Hi. I think the thing that a lot of people are forgetting about is the guys they want to trade, Krejci, Chara, um, they've got no movement clauses. So you know where they don't want to go? A place like Edmonton. Oh, yeah. that's um, <laughs> We've already that, established uh, that Edmonton's, Edmonton's not, not happening. You know, yeah. <laughs> and it would be great to you know dump some of the players we don't want there, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, one thing that um, has been going on up in Toronto in the last two years is they've been doing a lot of smart stuff. And they did the sneaky thing this year with Stefan Robidas, where basically they said, yeah, you're not very good, um, so we're just going to put you on LTIR for the year. You think that's something that they might explore with a guy like Seidenberg? Uh, that would be interesting. I mean, that's that's obviously legal. Yeah, I don't uh, think that the Players, Players Association would enjoy that very much. Nor would nor yeah, so, the player. So, yeah. But I guess the thing that's interesting is so Toronto did that, and um, basically no one heard about Robida all year. And, I mean, he has broken two legs, you know, post-35, so it kind of makes sense. But when they did um, their exit interviews, um, Lupul Lu goes, uh, what did he say? He said that Lupul, um, Joffrey Lupul, and Robida may not even be able to play next year. So it seems like they're really kind of pushing for something like that, and I'm not saying that it's going to happen. 
But I'd like to see the Bruins maybe do some outside-of-the-box things, maybe do some sneaky stuff. Um, that would be nice. And one other thing with Toronto is, you know, I feel like we're we're going down the path where we're going to be the Maple Leafs in two or three years in that we're in the middle of a full rebuild because the asset management over the last, you know, 18 to 24 months has been really deplorable. Yes, they, they are trending yeah. that way. And Which is why I think keeping Julian, by the way, was a huge, huge step in preventing that. But go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do need to have um, a somewhat competent coach, and they, you know, they didn't really have anyone to replace them. If yeah, if they hired a bad first-time coach who didn't work out, then they would have been there. They would have hit the bottom of the league and maybe stayed there for six, seven years. Well, you know, unless you had someone like you know, unless they waited and then basically let them twist in the wind like they did last year, and maybe a Ken Hitchcock or Bruce Boudreaux. They've got an early, you know, first round exit, and they get booted. Then, you know, then you'd have at least a competent hire. But he would either went to Ottawa or even Montreal because, you know, things are things are dicey up there, and I think sure. they'd like to get their hands on Julian too. Um, but yeah, I'm just really, really not looking. I mean, it's going to be an exciting off season, but I I don't have a lot of faith in the the pro personnel side of this. Um, executive team i think drafting wise and with prospects they look really good but them taking those prospects and turning them into like legitimate competent players and finding two top four defensemen i don't i don't know yeah we're gonna learn about a lot about don sweeney this this offseason so it'll it'll be exciting we'll see what deal and donnie does yeah and thanks for the thanks for the call jay really appreciate it um yeah i don't buy it with when he said the other day we don't need big changes he you could hear him not believing himself as he was saying that they're going to do something big. Um, I mean, we've talked about Stamkos, maybe go after him, maybe move Krejci uh, for some defense help and then spend all that money. But the uh, moving Krejci idea has a lot less weight now than it did a, that's did a right, week ago. Because he's getting surgery on that hip and it's his second major hip surgery. Um, and he's what? He's 29 about to turn 30. So that's a red flag for a guy with six more or five more years left on his contract. But I, th- I still think, I mean, you, you'd be able to get something pretty significant for, for David Krejci. You think? I don't mean, like, in terms of what? Like, I don't know. I don't think it's what they need. I don't think in, in terms of, you know, what you're surrendering, you know what David Krejci can be. Right. You, you, I don't think you're going to get back fair value right now. For so David, David Krejci. Krejci's a... David Krejci is a very good number two defenseman. If you get a very good number three, or I'm sorry, a very good number two center, if you get a solid second pairing defenseman for David Krejci, would you do that? I, I honestly, I don't think so. Uh, a second pairing guy, uh, right now, I think that you know they they need the first pairing guy because if you get the first pairing guy, then you can make Zdeno Char the second slot, pairing right, guy. Right, then you can slot guys accordingly. Which... And I think that that benefits them the most. Um, and so I, I don't think trading David Krejci for, you know, a, a, a second pairing guy really helps the Bruins. I mean, it helps the Bruins improve, I guess, on the on the blue line, but you're surrendering a really valuable piece. I'm also just hesitant on selling low on guys. And that's, I mean, g- getting back to the whole Tuca thing, I'd be really hesitant of trading a guy who entered this season with the highest career save percentage of any goaltender in NHL history then had mediocre numbers and saying, okay, this, I mean, we, the people texting in, someone says Rask's numbers are pedestrian. One time in his life, his numbers have been pedestrian. And it was this year. If you give on it, give up on him based on this year, then 
you're probably not going to get what you would have gotten if you traded him a year or two and ago. And look at what's in front of him. Right. Like Garbage. That, that reflects on his numbers. Garbage. And Go I was going to say, you know, a lot of people have been texting in saying that Tuca doesn't steal games like Tim Thomas did or whatever. See, I, I mean, I don't think that's true at all. I don't either. It's the the what people see in Tim Thomas is that he makes like these amazing saves and, and, and yeah, they're great for highlights and right. they stand out more. But he's in the position to make those saves because he's out of position. Right. Yeah. He's. It's the same way with with Jonathan Jonathan Quick. We saw it last night <laughs> right. with the, with the Kings. It's like that guy is constantly out of position and. He, Sure, he makes unbelievable recoveries, but would you rather have that, or would you totally rather have somebody who's sound. yeah, technically sound and in position to make big saves? Yeah, I mean, Tukarask is so not the problem. I don't, and I don't feel that trading him is a solution. But if you've got a way, again, we're we're willing to hear it. Andy in New Hampshire, what you got? What's going on, guys? Hello. Hey. Um, so to answer your first question, is there a way that I can feel confident this team goes into next year? Um, as, as a strong playoff contender, you know, no guarantees given injuries. But my answer is yes, only because they just keep the coach who has proven he can do this. Mm. And um, they do have Patrice Bergeron, and they do have Tuka Rask. Um, my negative side says no, because the people picking the players, I haven't seen their ability. Oh, you guys are that. beautiful. I love you all. You're 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 all finally coming around on being a little skeptical of these guys. Yeah, no, there's there's no way I feel comfortable that that Sweeney um, is going to be able to make a good move. Now, I would go with Krejci for a second pairing guy because you know the point about the hip injury. If if you're going to get a second pairing guy, this might be your only chance to do that with him because of the hip. I mean, yeah, but think of how how good he was when he came back from the last time he got this surgery. So I mean, they, they, they've done a better job developing forwards. Would you not agree with that than defensemen? Um, well, just because the defensemen that they've had. So, <clears throat> I mean, Chara was was here when when uh, Julian came. Um, Seidenberg was a trade. I mean, I, I guess like so many of the key defensemen over the years have been trade acquisitions or free agent signings. So they didn't have to do too much developing with too many guys. But I mean, they developed Dougie Hamilton. They developed Tory Krug. Uh, but yeah, off the top of my head, I mean, Marchand, Krejci, uh, Bergeron to a degree. Uh, yeah, I would say that that forwards have generally worked out uh, or developed more so just, just in terms of numbers. Yeah, and the guys coming up, I mean, I have faith. In Vetrano, Kachari, um, you know, Spooner. Uh, I mean, these are guys who can be viable. I mean, how are they going to be? What David Gracie is now? I'm not sure, but I would rather go with those guys and get the proven commodity on the back end so Tuka can get back to feeling comfortable that the front of the net is not going to be a shooting range. And right now it is. It, you know, I love Chara. I really do. The guy... I mean, what an amazing specimen to watch over the last decade. But, I mean, even a second-pairing guy, that's a weak second-pairing guy. He can't move anymore. And, you know, what can you do to rebuild it? I'm not sure. This is this is why they pay all this money to Sweeney and Neely. Uh, and, and, again, I don't have a heck of a lot of confidence, but I do think they started off the right way by not getting, and you guys just said it, a, a freshman coach who set you back five years. I mean, I do think we're set back one or two years here, 
And if they make a great move, and some of these guys, I think Colin Miller has to play regular minutes next year. I don't care what he looks like. He has to play regular minutes. I don't want to see Miller on that back line next year. I, I, I just have no need for it. So, you know, know this, is the, this is a controversial take. If they didn't have Adam McQuaid, I would resign Kevin Miller, I decided recently. If they didn't have Adam McQuaid. But they do. Exactly. And they're paying him way too much money. But it sounds like Don Sweeney's already the guy that he dropped that they want to resign yeah, is Kevin but Miller. You know, so, so that's not fair. And here's where I get into defending Sweeney. So the question was, uh, have you told any free agents whether or not they'd be back? Or whether or not you'll make them an offer? Because Shirelli at, at uh, breakup day would say... All right, so we told uh, we told Rich Peverly we're going to try to trade him. We told this guy that we're not going to sign this guy. And he'd be pretty honest about that stuff. So the question was asked to Sweeney, and Sweeney said, um, we, we've spoken to all our free agents, and if you have specific questions about people, then um, I'm happy to help or whatever. So Steve Conroy said, all right, well, what about Kevin Miller? And Sweeney said, well, Kevin had a very good season. We'd like to... We'd like to uh, talk to him and stuff like that. My thing there is, what the hell is Sweeney supposed to say? Is he supposed to say, oh, Kevin Miller? He sucked. That guy who was like our third best defenseman at points last season on the terrible crap-ass back end that I built, that guy's really, really bad. So I think that because he built this pretty bad defense, he needs to say, the guy that we leaned on at points, pretty good player, good season, liked him. So that, that's, that's how I read into that. DJ, I've had a hard time knowing how you feel about things during this uh, year. <laughs> Very well put. The crap that he put together. And again, you know, you stole my thunder there with you have McQuaid. You don't need McQuaid times two in Miller. You need to get another guy. I would keep Krug. Krug's points went up. Yes, his goals did not. But Krug is something that's not easy to have. He's not yeah. easy to develop. I mean, he's a power play guy that really makes a difference. I mean, the second that guy stepped on the ice in the playoffs, our power play was better. The, yeah. pe- the so- people who say that, that Tory Krug had a bad year, just... Bad take. Yeah, just an awful take. Because the one thing that like you wanted to see him... The, all the areas that you wanted to see him improve, he improved upon. Yeah, he, he just didn't score. He yeah. was snake-bitten. Right. And, you know, with a guy like Tory Krug, there's a lot of confidence that that's going to come back. Right. Like, that's not what I'm worried about. And, so and you he, know what? We, we, they've overreacted to massive slumps from players. And thanks, uh, Andy, for the the call. We're up against it. Um, they've overreacted to major slumps from players. Riley Smith being perhaps the biggest one. He becomes a ghost in his second season for the second half of the year. And they say, okay, the solution is trading Riley Smith. And that trade sucked for them. And, I mean, it's not like Tory Krug was a ghost. He just wasn't scoring. Right, he, he was, was contributing still... to the game in, in other ways. Right. I mean, to judge a defenseman not named Eric Carlson solely on points is to is to, to overreact. And I don't think the Bruins should get too caught up in, oh, he didn't score as many goals, so now we got to get rid of this guy. Uh, again, I think that the difference between his ask and what they want to give him is probably going to be pretty significant. But I think that I'd be surprised if they were to move on from him. All right, final segment coming up on Sunday Skate. Mike in the car, we're going to get to you. Any other calls, 617-779-7937. Give us a ring and we'll squeeze you in. It's the final segment of Sunday Skate coming up. Sunday Skate, WEI, Deej, Pete Blackburn, Matt Loper, usual suspects, Joe McDonald, 
after a great season with us, is on assignment. Uh, he's covering some Western Conference series for ESPN. I do not know which one. Quite frankly, I don't really give a hoot. Say, Yeah. He's having fun wherever he is, though. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say... I mean, if you're listening to the show, if you're putting up with us, then it means you, for some reason, tolerate us and follow us on Twitter and stuff. But if you don't, uh, this is Pete's time of year. This is the t- If you're only going to follow Pete for a couple months, this is the time to do it. He's he's firing those gifts off. Came man. back strong after faking my own death. Yes. On and if you'd like to hear the full story on, well, you said you faked your own death, so I guess that gives it away. Uh, but our brunch listens on our podcast explaining why you went away on Twitter for a day, huge. I think that's going to be the most listened to episode ever. Which is funny because we discussed on that episode how good the Darren Rovell episode was, which I think is one of the best podcasts ever. Because I've only listened to our podcast before. I don't listen to any other podcast because, quite frankly, I'm confused as to how people have time to listen to podcasts. But good for them. Um, so anyway, yeah, shouts to us for, for that podcast. Good stuff. Uh, as Pete and I go off the air for a little bit, hopefully we'll be back on at some point in this off season. But as you hear less of us on these airwaves, you can always check us out on the Brunch podcast on Twitter at Listen to Brunch. Um, yeah, so those are the thank yous. I guess let's continue with the uh, the Bruins talk here in these final few minutes. Mike in the car. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for waiting. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for taking my call. Of course. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give a call. I'm one of those guys that kind of thinks a little differently than everyone else. And in my opinion, when I look at the Bruins and the problems that they're having, it's not really as much player-based, but I think it's the style-based. I think the Bruins kind of fell into the trap where they said, hey, look at these teams, they're going fast and they're going, you know, non-physical and that's working. So let's, you know, they got rid of some of the physical guys. They kept McQuaid, obviously, and Chara used to be physical, but honestly now everyone's going at him. He's not physical and scary as he used to be. So in my opinion, that's what I think the biggest problem with the Bruins are is they're trying to play, you know, the stay back, Claude Julian defense, but that doesn't work if you're not physical, and they're just not physical at, at all down low. And I think that's what the problem is. They got to get some of the toughness back in the Bruins. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to the the crux of what we were saying all show is that give Julian the guys, and he'll at least get you to the playoffs. I, I don't necessarily disagree with the fact that they need to be more more physical. I just don't think that they need to go, you know, big, bad Bruins. I do think that oh, they need to yeah. get more physical and get down lows, get the dirty goals they didn't get, they didn't get this year. For me, I would just like some guys who are good at hockey. That's, that's, that's my little truth. So, uh, it has been a wonderful season of Sunday Skate. A bit of a short season, but that's okay. This is our, this is our season two of Friday Night Lights, I guess. It was better. If you, it was better than there was one less murder on this season of Sunday Skate than there was in season two of Friday Night Lights. Spoiler alert! So hope that ruined your Sunday. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to Joe McDonald for being an integral part of the show. Ken Laird, uh, of course, for kicking ass for us. Matt Loper behind the glass, terrific job. And of course, trusty number two over here, Pete Blackburn. It's been a wonderful season. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Chris Price is next. Yes, Chris Price is next. And Mike Giardi. So some good and some bad there. A lot to like, maybe a little to not like. Uh, Thank you for listening. Sunday Skate. We'll talk to you guys next season.